Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016, I helped him launch his very first membership. He had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership. In his first launch, he got 130 members, bringing him in about 60,000 in income every year. Now, He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast, episode 37. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast, uncovering the secrets of effortless social media marketing for your business. And here is your host, Teresa Heath-Waring. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast. And as always, I am your host, Teresa Heath-Waring. This week, there's going to be no hanging about. We're going to jump straight into it because I am batching content right before I go to the States. I'm heading off to California and Laguna Beach for a conference. So I'm trying to get ahead. By the time this airs, actually, I'll be back, but trying to get ahead, get these podcasts recorded so that I can then relax maybe for a little bit while I'm in California. So the inspiration for today's episode is all around how we're standing out in a really noisy environment. So social media world in particular is very noisy. There are a lot of people that do it. There are a lot of people who do what I do. Lots of people trying to build their businesses. And I'm sure in your world, unless you're in a real niche area, I'm sure in your world, there are also lots of other people that are trying to do what you do. And back on episode 26, which we'll link in the show notes, We talk about the five tips of building a personal brand, which if you're trying to stand out in a noisy industry, building a personal brand can be a great way for you to do that. And one of the areas we looked at when we talked about the ways to build your personal brand was speaking and how if you're willing to speak and put yourself on stage, this can really help you stand out. Now, personally, I love it. I know it's not for everyone. I know some people... I think there's a stat that more people would be willing to bungee jump than speak on stage, I think. I could have just made that up. Anyway, I love speaking and it's an area that I want to grow in my business. That's why I was so excited to interview today's podcast guest, the amazing Brian Fanzo. 
Now, he spends about 80% of his time speaking and travelling all over the world to speak. And about 90% of his revenue now comes from speaking on stage. And to think that my business could be predominantly spent speaking would be like a dream come true. So Brian is the founder of iSocialFans and he says that he translates the geek speak and is on a mission to empower great people to connect with great people and ideas to create life-changing experiences. He's a millennial speaker and he mainly talks around change, collaboration and community. He's the proud dad of three beautiful girls and is the host of the podcast FOMO Fans and SMAC Talk. He used to work for the Department of Defence in cybersecurity, so has taken quite a leap to do what he does now. As I've said, he speaks for a living and has travelled to over 70 countries and has spoke at some of the world's largest events, including Social Media Marketing World, SXSW, CES, Mobile World Congress. And Brian is a huge advocate of being authentic and showing up as his true self. He was a pleasure to interview and I know you are going to love him. So I'll waste no more time and we'll jump straight into that interview. Well, it gives me so much pleasure to welcome you, Brian, to my podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Excited to be here. Ah, and honestly, I am really, really excited. I've been following you for quite some time and watch your stuff. And actually last year you were meant to speak at Marketed Live, weren't you? And I was. there was a problem with your flight and coming out and you didn't and you sent a video. So this feels like it's been a long time coming, which is cool because I've been watching your stuff ever since. And uh, I know I, I missed out on that opportunity, but uh, you know, I'm glad we we're able to still make connections and I, I get to watch the event from afar for the last two years and yeah. very proud of those guys. So uh, maybe, maybe I'll have to make a trick out there next year. Oh, do you know what? We'd love that. And, and it, honestly, it's a great event. And one of the things that's really interesting, because uh, I, one of the things I really want to talk to you about in a bit is about you speaking. But the funny thing is the UK does not have a lot of good events. We are not very good at it. We, <laughs> you guys in the States do an amazing job. Whereas over here, we, we are terrible at it. We tend to do quite boring conferences. So we're starting to see some of that cool stuff coming over from that side of the world. And actually Marketed Live is one of those that are really trying to up the game. We've got a couple of others that are over here that are quite good. But yeah, so I think that's going to be a really nice one to watch and hopefully grow and see how that goes. So fingers crossed you can come across that again. But sure. Brian, I love your story and I love... Uh, hearing where you've come from and what you used to do and how you got to do what you do now, which seems a little bit of a jump. So I would love it if you would share with my audience kind of where you started and how you got to do what you do now. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess I'm known for digital marketing, social media today, um, but I went to school, I went to university for uh, computer science, and then I actually worked in cybersecurity for the Department of Defense here in the United States uh, for nine years. And so it's definitely not your traditional uh, path to marketing. I actually joke a lot that um, my guidance counselors um, in school didn't really tell me very much about marketing. Um, they, always, they, always, they always position it as, you just help the salespeople sell. And yeah. to me, I was like, ew, I don't want to do that. So I loved computers. I kind of fell in love with computers. Um, and then I had, a, I had an amazing job. I 
I had 32 direct reports that worked for me, um, employees that were on my team. And we grew a giant cybersecurity team that we were deploying um, training courses at all different military bases around the world. And so I got to travel. I've actually been to 74 countries, um, which is a a ton of countries. Uh, And it was great. I worked for the government. I traveled on government money. Um, I did three trips to Iraq and two to Afghanistan during the, uh, the early war years. Um, and I got to work with the military. And I know you said your, uh, your husband is in the military. Yeah. And I, I have so much love for the military. I have military families that I love. I wasn't in the military. But for me, it was my little ability um, to be able to educate them, help them do their job better. I believe yeah. the sacrifice that the military makes uh, anyone that's in the military is um, beyond amazing, right? And it's something that I was able to do. And I, I fell in love. I thought I, I went to school. I thought I loved computers. But what I learned in that job over my first 10 years of my career was that it wasn't computers that I loved. I loved collaboration. I loved community. I loved change. And really, computers were what were facilitating collaboration, facilitating change, facilitating. And so computers ended up being a byproduct. And I started working uh, kind of outside that realm. And people would come and tell me, Brian, you don't really help me with technology. Sometimes you help me remove technology. But what you're helping me do is be better at connecting because in this world that is around technology. And so um, I think that's the quick segue of how I left the Department of Defense. I decided um, I just needed a change. Um, I went and worked for a little small data center company. Uh, I became the face of that company, started speaking um, as the face of that company. Uh, and then about five years ago, actually a little over four years ago, um, I became an entrepreneur with the goal of, you know, how do I, how do I help connect people? How do I help people understand emerging technology and marketing just made sense. It was, you know, not only because they have budget, but um, I think marketing today is so much more than sales enablement. It's so much about uh, building trust. It's so much about collaboration. It's about connecting with your community. And so it, it's very interesting because for me, I think I was always a marketer, like in my soul and like what I love doing. I just didn't really understand what marketing was. And maybe marketing really wasn't, I wasn't ready for marketing. Marketing wasn't ready for me. Yeah. And uh, totally. now for the last... Yeah, I think that's kind of, it's a happy medium because now, you know, I talk about trust. I talk about, you know, how do we work together? How do we build uh, authenticity? How can we be transparent online? And I don't think transparency in marketing was a thing 10 years ago, right? I think if I, if I had jumped in at, at that, so, um, so yeah, that's where I've been. I've, um, I did a little bit of the agency life um, as, a, as a marketer. I really wasn't a big fan of that world. Um, yeah. For me personally, just the way that I like to deliver and the type of contracts and, and go collaboration. I like to enable. I love long-term partnerships and a lot of things. And so um, for the last three and a half years, I've uh, done some consulting and strategy work, but mostly I'm a full-time public speaker now. So I I speak at about 45 events a year um, around the world. I'm very blessed. I get to come uh, to the UK a couple of times. This year I've been, uh, I was in Scotland. I was in Newcastle. Um, I I am working right now actually on a a gig that might be in London uh, in early December, but um, for me, yeah, I get to travel the world now and speak. Uh, I host two podcasts myself. Uh, I create a lot of content, but I, I'm a team of one. So for me, this is, um, you know, I try to practice what I preach. I try to get out yeah. there and do that side. So uh, it's a weird journey, but it's allowed me to kind of, um, I'd say, disrupt marketing a little bit as well, because uh, I haven't been trained in it for years. I'm not corrupted by the old way of doing things. And I'm not afraid to say that the way we did it in the past is not working. And uh, it's a heck of a lot of fun. I get to enjoy being a little bit of a disruptor. Now, I love that. And so there's a few things that you just said that kind of just blow my mind. First off, that you've been doing this for four to five years. 
And I've had my business for four years and I am nowhere near as successful as you are or as well known as you are. So I'm just going to go and cry a little bit tonight. <laughs> um, but, but like that is crazy success. That is phenomenal. Also, I love the fact that you have come from the kind of tech side, but you saw that it was a way of connecting people. And I think you're right. I think actually because I am a traditional marketer, you know, or I was a traditional marketer, I have a marketing degree and it looks nothing like it looks today. And I think for me, one of the reasons of my success in my business is that I have moved on and I have realized that although, you know, the degree was great and it gave me a good standing initially, the marketing I did even six, seven years ago is nothing like I do today. And I have fully embrace the changes because I love the tech side. Now I'm not the most tech savvy, but I love the fact that we can prove things and track things and follow people through these journeys and connect with people. It's amazing. Well, I think that's that's a good point you brought up there. Just to jump in, I think you don't have to be you don't have to be great at tech to understand the value of technology or the value of tracking, right? And I think you know, the old days of selling unicorns and rainbows is what I like to say, but like of fluff, right? Like marketing was throw a billboard up, project (laughs) the amount of cars that drove by and then link that to some number, which I still, to this day, if someone could figure out and explain to me how billboards were proven ROI, I would love, like, I would love to figure that out. Cause to me, that still is like the, the biggest marketing sham of all time, because there's no way you proved ROI of a billboard based on cars and purchases. But you're right. In today's day and world, it's, you market and you have the ability to track and prove that what you do is valuable. I mean, how cool is that? I think that's also part of what, um, you know, and I, and I also think it's part of that world now where marketing always wanted that. The technology now finally has caught up. Now, in some cases, we throw technology at problems that we probably shouldn't even involve technology. And, you know, I even, even for me, a lot of times people, people assume because of my background that I'm so tech heavy and, I'm, and I believe that technology should be in all these different places. And I don't. And oftentimes I will tell people, you know, like for me, it's that personalized video, right? It's being able to have a handshake with somebody. That to me is still the king of the, of, of, of the goals. I just think that we can do better things online to reach those, right? And I think that's, yeah. that's important. And I love that you said, you know, one of the things you said there was, you know, getting myself out there or telling my story. Like this is also, we're living in a world now where you have to be okay with telling the good and the bad, right? You have mm-hmm. to be sharing. And that's not traditional marketing. It's not traditional business, right? Business was always about, you know, putting out there what, how great you are, how you're better than everybody else. You talk at people. And now we've learned like, we don't trust anybody who says they're perfect. We don't trust anybody that talks at us. We trust people and we trust people that are willing to admit when they're wrong. And in this world we're living in right now, I mean, there's so much, there's so much wrong, Uh, you know, so many (laughs) things that are, that are going wrong, people that are doing wrong. I think people are, end up being, you know, for me, I think one of the the secrets to my success as far as visibility was I was unapologetic about who I was. Um, I was willing to share, you know, ADHD. I was willing to share things that I wasn't good at. Uh, I was willing to admit like, Hey, marketing wasn't my first love. It wasn't my background. And for many people advising me early on, they're like, that's going to crush you. Like you're not going to be able to follow the path of Seth Godin or, you know, what Malcolm Gladwell did. And I was like, I know, and I don't plan on it and I don't have any goals or aspirations to be in their exhaust. I want to do things my way. And I've been very blessed. I, I can say it, it's not always easy. I've had some, you know, I've had lots of black backlash from, um, you know, even organizations that are like, ooh, you're a little too diversive for me. Mm-hmm. And they come back a year later and they go, well, we've been doing things the same way for a year and nothing's working. So yeah. maybe we need you to be a little bit, but you know, so sometimes people aren't ready for me. 
And I also have to balance that. But I think that's the fun world. I think marketing, I think right now marketing is at its best place there is. I think we are, because we're able to highlight good stories, good people, good products, good services. Um, And if we're doing it right, like it trumps the bad. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about your company. If you're the best in your industry and you're the best person, you're like, you know, you're doing good things. Uh, you don't have to worry about your competition because, you know, if we're able to do our job as marketers, we can put that story out there and you'll beat Amazon's. You'll, you'll, you'll be better than the big Goliaths that are out there. And no one would have said that 10 years ago. Like, hey, if Walmart came in your town, you're screwed. But I think mm-hmm. now if Walmart comes into your town, it's your job to tell your story and get people to understand why they should buy from you compared to buying from Walmart. And we have like social media and digital marketing and, and content marketing to do that. And I think it's fun times. And I think it's giving us the... The, the smaller businesses and smaller people and, and those niche businesses, the voice, isn't it? Because yes. do you know what? Uh, gosh, I bet it was pushing at least 10 years ago. I used to work for Land Rover. I ran their okay. corporate marketing and oh, wow. I did exactly what you said. Our budget was massive and I would do a campaign and we'd go, how many did we sell? And we'd go, oh, we're not really sure. <laughs> you know. And it's like, it makes me laugh that we did yep. that because in those days, that's all you could have done. Or right, there was no other option, right? Like, no, so we were doing the best of what we had. Whereas yep. obviously now, the fact that, you know, funnily enough, one of the things I was going to mention because we're going to talk about you talking is that I've just done a TEDx talk, which is kind of I know, like congratulations. really cool. And I'm proper excited about it. And I gave an example in that talk because I was... My whole premise of the talk was how it's changed marketing and how, how social media has changed marketing and how I want people to love it. Because there is lots right. of negativity about social media. Right. Don't get me wrong. It's not just, you know, it's perfectly justified, but there is some really positive stuff. And one of the examples I gave was the Dollar Shave Club. Oh, yes. How much they paid for their first video, $4,500, and the fact that it went viral because they dared to put themselves out there. They dared to do something different. And now a business that potentially 10 years ago wouldn't have even got a look in because there was no way they could have advertised on TV. There was no way they could have got any kind of traction. But now for businesses and marketers, I feel like this is the best time ever. We are so blessed. It is. It's a level playing field. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And not only do you not have to have the big budget, but oftentimes I think the big budget gets in the way of doing the things that are most valuable. I'm a Dollar Shave Club member. My my package came out Monday this week. I've I've been a subscriber (laughs) for them for a a long time. And and I also think it's one of those worlds where, you know, the small businesses are really where the passion is. It's where the story is. It's where the heart is. And in, in the world, like that's who we want to spend our money with. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the, the world we lived in for a while, it was big budgets blasting everything. The small business is falling down. Now it's, you know, and I, I get to work with some you know, great companies and I get to work on kind of both extremes. Like I work with IBM and Dell and Samsung yeah. and SAP, um, these big brands. But then I work with small boutique companies and it's fun because, you know, the, the big brands want to be nimble and do the fun stuff the small yeah. brands are. The small brands wish they had the budget that the big brands have. And now I'm like, well, you don't, do, what did you want to spend that budget on? Right. And like, let's yeah. reach your target audience and like little things like, you know, I'm sure, you know, when you're working with Land Rover, like we have the ability now to target ads and really know our customer yeah. where before we were lucky to have a, a random shot. We would say, yeah. okay, we think that this area is a great place. Let's throw up a billboard or let's put, put a, an ad on the TV in this area because we think. And now we're able to have that data. I mean, it's, it, and this is one of the things that I, get, I talk a lot about on stage is that for a lot of people, when they hear me talk about like, and I love your, like we both share the same message. Like I, 
I look at social media shrinking the distance between us and our customers online, right? That's, that's what I believe. But a lot of people, they're like, wait, that's not the case. I'm like, yeah, it's because of the way you're using it, right? Like it has nothing to do with, you know, and the platform has, these platforms have plenty of downside and plenty of, you know, negativity that can happen. But same with everywhere else in our world, in our lives. Like, I think sometimes we forget, like we blame social media for all these things, but then we're like, oh, right, there's all this stuff happened before and it's continued to happen offline. But I think one of the other things I talk to people about is, you know, what you, if, if you listen to what we're talking about and it, it scares you or it's so different than what you've been doing your business, that's okay. What you, the way you were doing it before isn't wrong. It's just now we have the ability to do it differently and we have the ability to do it better. We have the ability to do it in a more humanized way where it just that those tools, that technology wasn't there. That's why, you know, even for me, you know, I do a lot on the millennial Gen Z side and I will always argue every day that if any other generation, Gen X and baby boomers, the older generations, if they, if they could have had social media in their prime in the twenties, when they were 20 and 30, they would sign up for it today because it gives people a voice that a generation that like you could have never had the voice that people have today at some, I mean, even Mark Zuckerberg from the standpoint of, you know, he's so young and what he was able to accomplish. But I think that's the fun part of where we're living. I think so anyone that's a small business, anyone that's a man, anyone that's an entrepreneur, it yeah. is a level playing field if you're willing to put yourself out there. Totally. Honestly, it's, it really is kind of a place where uh, social media and business, it makes my heart sing. It honestly is yep. like, this is amazing. This is so cool. And every time I talk to anybody about anything, like I had Rick Mulready on the podcast and we literally geeked out about Facebook ads the entire time <laughs> because we were just like, how amazing is this? And yes, coming from like, you know, corporate world, which obviously you were in a very corporate world, you know, this just feels like a how lucky are we? And I just want to ask actually quickly, because that was something else you said that I was interested in. I always joke that I'm like the accidental entrepreneur because I worked forever. I was corporate world agencies. And then I joked that I had an early midlife crisis and <laughs> somehow decided to start my own business. But was it ever on the cards? Was that like a thing that you wanted to do and you were heading to, or was it literally like, boom, we're doing this tomorrow? So, yeah. So that's a great question. I, and for me, I loved my enterprise company job. Like mm-hmm. I loved my corporate job. Um, when I left there, I didn't leave because I didn't want to work for the man, right? Like was what you hear a lot. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, And then I decided I wanted something different and I went and worked for a startup. I was at the startup for two years and 10 days. Uh, We averaged 12 new hires a week. I mean, that company, we went from 250 employees to 610 in two years. It was... That's some of the coolest crazy. thing. And my, my team, we were in charge of onboarding new employees and culture training. Uh, so it was so much fun. And I loved that job. Um, and kind of like you said, I wasn't, um, I wouldn't say I was an accidental entrepreneur, but when people, when I left the government or the government corporate job, almost everybody told me, Brian, you should be an entrepreneur. And I was like, oh, that's funny you say that because all of you that are telling me that aren't entrepreneurs, um, <laughs> like you're all like in your own. And they kind of looked at me as like the you know, I was very much disruptive pioneer. I did things my own way. Um, and then I went to the startup and I loved the startup, but I had always heard in the startup world, they're like, well, Brian, wait till you're the CEO, wait till you're the... And then what had happened was my startup got, got bought. They, they merged with a very large company uh, okay. called CenturyLink, which is a global company. And my role was very um, freelance. I, I was able to do whatever I wanted. I had a fun... And my CEO was just kind of like, I don't think you're going to survive in this new world. And he's okay. like, I think you need to leave, like make today your last day. I was like, oh, you do? Like today is like, I'm, like, I'm the okay. face of it. And, uh, and, and he was like, but he was great. He's like, but I want you to, you know, jump into marketing on yourself. He's like, but I'll be your first customer. 
And I can tell you that was the golden parachute that I oh, really that needed because amazing. I was able to jump into it without being really lost to the beginning. And I was mm-hmm. still lost, but I will say like, I, and I'm, I don't sugarcoat this at all. Um, entrepreneurship has been the hardest mm-hmm. of the three jobs of the enterprise. I did enterprise uh, for nine years. I did uh, startup for two years without even, not even close. The, the, I'd say the, the toughest things, the most trying things, the things that I've had to learn about myself as an entrepreneur, oh my, I mean, it's not even, so oftentimes I recommend for people, some of the, my friends that are, that are looking at me and my journey, I will tell them like, no, I don't think you're ready for entrepreneurship because mm-hmm. there's so many things in this world that I think, um, you know, we, we don't even realize like chasing down invoices and, and managing taxes and the, yeah. the backend stuff, or even handling frustrated customers. And, and like, mm-hmm. and for me, I feel like I'm in constant business development mode. I don't mm-hmm. love business development. I don't love sales. And um, I think a lot of people throw around entrepreneurship um, as like the end all be all. And I'm a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan, but Gary and I differ in a lot of different ways and like different things. And I say, you know, if your, if your goals and aspirations require that you need to be an entrepreneur to accomplish them, I say, go for it. But if you're unsure what your goals are and you're, you're currently like stick with what you got. And I think that's for me, um, I, interestingly enough, the segue into public speaking, like I was speaking since 2005. I got, um, I was the only non-gray-haired old white guy uh, in cybersecurity. And my boss just came to me. He's like, you need to be the face of cybersecurity. And I was like, well, what does that mean? He's like, we'll send you to training. You'll get, you'll get officially trained on how to do public speaking. And, and um, I did that. And I got to present um, at the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the Pentagon here in Washington, D.C. And it was, it was mind-blowing. It was, you know, that's why no audience scares me today is because I had the highest-ranking oh, generals. <laughs> yeah, like the highest-ranking generals were on the front row full uniform, no expressions on their face. And I had to get up there and talk in front of these organizations. So for me, I, I had always loved that. And I, but I really didn't even know it was a profession. And I would say one of the things that you said, accidental entrepreneurship, for me, it was accidental found my dream job, right? Like yeah. as an entrepreneur, I was doing the marketing agency, didn't really like the agency, started doing consulting, actually didn't really like the consulting side of it that, that, that was pulling me in these weird ways. And then I started to realize like people really loved what I did on stage. And I was like, wait a second, how do I make that a business? And I, you know, I've gone all in. I, I mean, I flipped my business model. I posted about this recently in 2016, I was 20% speaking, 80% market agency and, mm-hmm. and consulting. Uh, last year I flipped that to 80, 20. And this year wow. it's at, at about 90, 10, where 90% of my revenue comes from speaking. Um, and 10 of it comes from podcast sponsorship and a couple full-time clients I have. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I hadn't done entrepreneurship, if I hadn't like hadn't been forced out and then figured this out, I probably would have never figured out my like the job I have now. But yeah. when I look in the future, like I don't want to do anything else the rest of my life. I want to be you know a full time professional speaker and you know continue to stay in the grind. I'm very much like you know when sometimes see people hear that they'll say, well, oh you just want to go talk on stages. I'm like, no, I want to still you know yeah. I, I edit my own podcast. I post all of my mm-hmm. own social media. I I'm part of the the IBM Watson uh, beta team. I'm on two augmented reality uh, discovery um, investor groups where I'm helping them understand where virtual reality and augmented reality. Like I will always stay in the in the in the grind. But I I found my dream job. I, I love talking. I love being on stage. And now I get to do that full time. So yeah, it's 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 been an interesting journey. Um, but I, I I like to tell people it's um you have to figure it out and. If I would have real, you know, out of college, I thought I wanted to do computers. Yeah. Ten years later, I thought I wanted to work in a startup around collaboration and community. And five years later, after that, you know, I guess it's been five years. Yeah, I graduated university in two thousand three. You know, so fifteen years later, I found my dream job. And so, for yeah. anyone that's out there, 
you know, it's, it's, it's not, you don't have to follow one path. You don't have to, like my number one advice for everyone is be okay with pivoting yeah. and learn how to roll with the punches. And that's my, I mean, anyone who asks me when I coach and mentor people, I ask them like, what would happen if you lost this client? What would happen mm -hmm. if you no longer were able to write books or if you were no longer getting paid to do what you're doing? Because in the world we're living in today, like you have to be willing, you have to be okay yeah. with rolling with the punches. But if you're okay with that, uh, the world is your oyster, as they yeah. say. And you are obviously traveling all over the world. I, I mentioned earlier, I follow you, well, all your social, but Insta stories I'm, is my favorite that I watch. And you are always like in an airport somewhere. <laughs> like that is, I bet if you go back and look at all your Insta stories, they're probably like, you know, 70% airport. Airport. And you... And I do, and one of the things I love, now I never used to travel. In fact, my, I came from a family where I don't even think my parents have passports, which oh, I wow. guess is fairly unusual for the UK. Like right. they don't travel a lot. I never went on holidays. I'd never been on a plane. And then I did a little bit. I did a couple of like, you know, your average holidays to Europe. And then I met my husband and he's in the Air Force. And right. as you can imagine, very similar to when you had your corporate life. He has been to more countries than I've had hot dinners. Like, right. <laughs> seriously, this guy has traveled everywhere. And he started to open up my, my world and I started to see these places. And I love traveling. I don't so much like sitting on a plane for nine hours, but I love getting to places and seeing different places and experiencing different things. Oh, yes. And as a speaker and being able to do that, and that is part of your job, I can only imagine how amazing that must feel it is it is and it's also fun because i get to add uh context a lot to what people don't understand right you mentioned way earlier in the conversation about you know the you know conferences in the in the uk versus conferences yeah. in the united states like one of the things like i always have heard and you know i've traveled a lot to the middle east i've done a lot in asia and of course a lot in europe um and one of the things i've always tried to debunk is like i don't believe when people tell me like Europe's behind America or, uh, you know, the Middle East is five years behind, Europe's two years behind. Like, I, I think what happens is uh, Americans are really good at self-promoting. We're really mm -hmm. good at pounding our chests and telling yeah, people how are. great we are. Yeah. Um, even when we're not, even when we're full of crap, we're pretty good at doing that. But for me, being able to travel to, you know, I was in Scotland earlier this year and I was working with Chris Marr and the, the yeah, team yeah, over there. Yeah. And like, I love his community and what Chris has done and like, where, how he's impacting people. I kept telling him, I'm like, people in America could learn from you, right? What Chris Ducker's doing uh, in some of the mm -hmm. stuff that he's doing in the UK. And I think this is one of those weird things. And it's a great byproduct of my job. When I travel, I get to travel so much and I get to actually hear the real stories, yeah. see the real stuff. Like I was, in, I was in Mexico last week at an event and it was for hotel travel agents. And I was able to provide some context to them as they felt like they were behind the times. And I was like, well, actually, no, I've been working with all of these service-based industries. So um, to me, it's, I mean, I've always traveled. I, I've traveled since uh, my, my second year out of university. So to me, traveling um, is kind of just something I, I do truly enjoy. Uh, like you, I said, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we don't, we don't enjoy conference calls, but we put up with them. Like we don't enjoy sitting on an airplane, but we put up with them. Um, but yeah, the, the ability now, and I'm, I'm very blessed. I, I just booked a, a gig in Dubai. I've been to Dubai a couple of times, but uh, I, I'm amazed. I get to speak to uh, almost 5,000 entrepreneurs in Dubai in oh March goodness. of next year. And, um, and that's, you know, and I, and they came to me and we're like, Brian, our, uh, the people that are in here love your podcast and we want to bring you out. And I was like, how amazing is it that I'm able to, you know, uh, not only touch people around the world, yeah. but they're willing to pay for me to come out there and, and speak to them. So it's a, it's a blessing. And I, and I, I don't take it for granted. Like for me, I hear a lot of times people are like, well, Brian, how do you bring the passion 
you know, being on stage every time, 45 times a year mm-hmm. and all the things that I, I'm like, it's, it's not a mistake. Like I truly love it, yeah. but I also don't for a minute take it for granted. Like when I go on that stage, it might be, it could be the last time I'm on that stage in front of these people. And I want to make sure that they have yeah. a good takeaway. So yeah, the travel part of it is a, is an amazing, amazing byproduct of this, yeah. of this job. And I love the, um, I love generally how uh, people in the States and it's predominantly States people, hence why I keep saying that, but I love how they have a personality on stage. And one of the things that's quite interesting with doing the TEDx talk is that there was some certain rules, not necessarily from TEDx, but, you know, people organizing it, there were certain rules around, you know, how you should be or ways in which you can speak and things. And one of the things I actually really love about you guys is the fact that you are very natural with it. You are, you know, you're not trying to be a speaker or you're being you. And what was really funny, my first rehearsal for my TEDx I was trying to be a TED speaker and I messed it up. Right, horrible, right? It was awful. I was awful. And right. I got off my the stage of practicing and there was three people in the room that had already seen me speak in other places and they were like, what was that? Like, that was horrendous. And I said, well, I'm trying to do this TED talk. And they're like, why are you trying to do a TED talk? Why not just be you doing a talk for TEDx? You know, like... So then I went home, had a word of myself and thought, you know what? I know this is a big deal, but I'm just going to go and be me. And I got on stage on the next rehearsal and they were like, thank God for that. And mm. I was the only person who I think who was like, got on stage and went, hello, like, because I was so excited. But and, right. it, and what I loved about the kind of feedback and one thing that you t- just talked about and you do is you raise the kind of level and energy in that room. And this lady was so kind to me. She was like, do you know what? I thought the roof tiles were going to lift. You literally <laughs> like, you know, all this energy that you're throwing out. And I'm exhausted. Like days after <laughs> I am really tired because I have literally just given the world my energy. But I love that. I love the kind of getting on stage and talking and and bringing that energy to the room because actually I'm sure you, because you've obviously been to lots of places where there are speakers, have watched talks where you're sat there thinking, this is probably a really interesting subject, but you are so dull that I just can't engage with you. So for me, how you're coming across is so important and you do that so well. And you you have said many a times, I've watched quite a few talks on um on YouTube that you talk fast. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and I talk fast and right. someone told me I needed to slow down. And then someone else said, you don't, because that's you. And, yeah. and you're, and I get really excited and passionate. And so do you. And I think it all fits. Whereas if you were trying to talk fast, it wouldn't fit. It just, that's who we are. And we can't. Without question. And I think, and I like the way you brought it. Cause I think that's also, you know, there's an element where um, I think when we're looking at speaking or even you know, actually how we started off this podcast before we went on air, one of the things you said was like, hey, I gave you some questions, but I really think the conversations are, are what works. Yeah. Well, the reason that is, is because people that are listening want to feel like they're in the room with us, right? They yeah. want to be a part of it. And when we go to a, we go to an event, we don't want to be talked at. We don't yeah. want to feel like it's a conference call. We don't want to feel like someone, the person on stage is better than us, right? Like yeah. we want to feel like, hey, you're bringing us along. You're helping us, inspiring us, educating us. And I think it's a change, right? It's a change in the way we do things, even the change in the way podcasts are. Like podcasts aren't trying to do what radio does, right? I, no. I do a lot of video. I do a, a lot of video in my, in my, with my job and like with my clients. And I tell every time, like, do not compare me to what you see on TV. I am not trying to be them. And I think for a lot of people, that's what happens when they're speaking, right? They, they all of a sudden like, okay, I want to be either a TED Talk or I want to be, 
as uh, as uh, you know as a great of a narrator as uh, as President Obama, you know, as yeah. and I'm like, wait a second, no, I want to convey my message in a way that really resonates with people, and so I appreciate you saying that. I also love that you you know, there's also an element where it's very easy to do it the way that everyone else is doing it, especially because it works, right? Like I go to a lot of conferences. I was at a great event in Poland uh, earlier this year called InfoShare. It was a massive event, all these great speakers. And uh, my friend, Chris Cubby, I'm not sure if you know Cubby. Uh, Yes, Cubby Co. over there in Denmark. But Chris and I were both there and we were both speakers for three days and we both spoke multiple times and we are not the traditional speaker. We are not the, and it was amazing the, the amount of people that were like thanking us, right, for being, part of that event and really and it, the interesting part was for us to get on that stage that people had to can be convinced that they could trust us right yeah but ultimately what the end result was was we made everyone else around us better we made people you know and i think this is that weird world and i and i take very pride in that is that as a professional speaker it's not about knowing my subject matter and it's not about being an expert it's about being able to convey it in a way that my audience can understand mm-hmm. it they want to learn more and then ultimately for me and it's why you know, like my my current keynote, what my first book will be is called Press the Damn Button, um, is because I want people to not only listen and learn, I want them to actually go do, yeah. right? And that's, that is a big piece because I, I even think like, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit disruptive in the, um, in the speaking market as well because, you know, those that have a book eight years ago that are quote unquote inspirational speakers that toss things in the audience and make people stand up and do a bunch of, you know, fluffy stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's their way of like getting, like I would, I, I think those ways are going away and it's kind of a hybrid just because you're an expert at something doesn't mean you're going to be a great speaker. No. Just because you can get people to stand up and clap for you doesn't mean you're a great speaker either. Right. It's that, mm-hmm. it's that happy medium. And I also think we're in a world now where we trust people that look like us, that act like us, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and that's why when someone says something like, hey, the talking fast thing, like I used to have a sticky note on my laptop that said, slow down, Brian. Like literally <laughs> I wrote it in capitalism. And, and then I, I finally just decided, you know what? Own it. Own the, yeah. and so I say it on stage. I say it on my podcast. I'm sure for many that are listening, I, I always joke, just don't listen to your podcast at like one and a half speed because no. I, I sound like Mickey Mouse. Like literally, I, I, it, is, it is a Mickey Mouse. Like I, a couple times I'll click my own podcast. I'm like, oh my goodness, what was that? Like, but, but I think that's also one of those things where, you know, and I will say this, I, I know the date, um, you know, it was November 2nd, uh, 2013. So 2013, November 2nd, um, I was having a discussion with my mom who doesn't really know what I do or all that space. Yeah. And one of, she just said something very simply. And she said, Brian, you know, in college, in high school, growing up, you were never afraid to do things your own way. You were mm-hmm. friends with everybody. You were parts of all different groups, but you were never afraid to, to do things your own way. And it was that day that I wrote on my mirror. I wrote on my mirror in Magic Marker. Uh, I wrote Be Yourself. And I wrote it in all capital letters. And I said, you know, from this day forward, my online presence will be me. I'm going to wear a hat because I wear hats. I'm going to talk fast because I talk fast. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna not be afraid to say things the way I do it. If I, if, I, if I say something wrong, I will apologize for it and admit to it, right? That's kind of, and I had noticed three years prior, I'd spent social media trying to be something. I, I, I was really trying to be Gary Vaynerchuk. I was, yeah. I would craft my messages. I would spend, I'd spend an hour on one Facebook status update because I wanted it to be so good. And that's why like when, when I, when I hear people that are faking it, right. That are people that are doing it. Like you said, like people that are going up and trying to be a Ted talker and they do yeah. it well. Like I tell them like, good for you. Cause that's yeah. so much work. Like yeah. I could not be what I am. Like I do Instagram. St- I have not missed a day of Instagram stories since it came out. Right. So for a year wow. I've been documenting my life on Instagram stories. I do that because 
it's just me. Like if I had to put on a persona that yeah. wasn't who I was, holy crap, would that be hard? So I think for people that are struggling on social media, if listeners right now are like, I don't get why you two love social media. For me, the disconnect is, are you really sharing things the way that you would offline, right? Like yeah. the number one compliment I get when I get off stage, people will come up to me and will give me a hug. We'll take a selfie. We'll talk a little bit. And the number one compliment, it means the world to me is like, Brian, you are the same person you are online as you are offline. And I'm like, thank you. Because that, that's why it works. It, it, and I think for everyone, and it's for your business. Like you're, you know, when I hear businesses tell me like, man, if they come in our store, we sell them anything. They are amazing. We just need to get them on the store. And I'm like, well, what do you share? Like whatever happens when they're in the store, you need to do that online. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's amazing how we forget that, right? Like we, we're like, oh, we're online. Let's just blast a bunch of messages, put out a bunch of crap. But when they come in our store, we tell stories. We care about them. We give them eye contact. We're humanized. We're okay admitting that they might go look at another store. But when we go online, we become something that we are not. And I think yeah. that's probably, you know, the most exciting reward for me is that uh, my joke is that I used to have to hide my hat before I would go on stage. I would hide it in, my, in, my, in the back of my pants. And I'd go on stage and i put my hat on. And that was like my way of being a little bit like the bad boy. And now people write into my contracts, Brian, we want you to wear your hat on stage. That's and so brilliant. if you think of it that way, it's, you know, you have, to, you have to break down the barrier, you have to change, but you also have to realize that once people get it, they're mm. willing to embrace it. And that's where I'm very blessed. I, I, I'm now rewarded for, you know, some things that really for a while was things that were, people were penalizing me for. And I think you said earlier about how marketing wasn't authentic and that's kind of half the problem is that you know it's um there was a great saying that now I have a different opinion of it there's an agency in the UK and their strap line was a truth uh, well told and now I think about it and I have a kind of different view about it I used to think it was amazing and now I think well surely the truth should just be the truth like right. I hear what you're saying that you obviously want to give the good parts of it but that has kind of been the problem. So you trying to conform and, you know, fit into this kind of perfect world of marketing yourself, like you said, you're not being yourself. Right. And the worst thing anybody can do in any marketing is pitch something that is not the experience they're going to have. So if you got on stage, this would, it would be quite hilarious, actually. If you got on stage and you were either the way you are now or a different way, and then they met you and suddenly you speak with a British accent and wear a right. suit, you know? People would be like, what the hell? Whereas actually what they see is what they get. And yes. as you said, it is so much harder to try and be something you're not. Because you have got to put some work into that, haven't you? A whole you? lot of work. So, and I like, I like that, that truth. Well, so Because I, I look at truth as what is said and what's not said, right? And I think for that saying, that's part of it saying that you're, you know, you're telling the truth. I would read yeah. into that and saying, what are you not sharing, right? I even, yeah, yeah, I work yeah. with brands a lot and I've been telling this for a long time. It's like, I, would, I am okay with brands t admitting what they don't know. Like yeah. if a brand is willing to admit what they don't know, it adds validity to what they do know. And, yeah. and people will come in, you know, and I'll and I say that sometimes and some people are like, no, I would never recommend a brand to admit that they're, they're downside. I'm like, well, the, the opposite of that is when a customer finds it out, yeah. they've now lost all trust. Your, your business has, because you've been conveying that you know all of these things. Mm -hmm. And I, especially today, like I, I use this stat all the time and it's a global stat where it says, Three out of four people under the age of 40 years old would rather spend their money on an experience than a product. And that's right. stats from Eventbrite, the company Eventbrite. They did a study mm -hmm. last year. And that's three out of four people would rather spend their money on an experience. And so when I ask, when I start to look at marketing, 
Are you talking about your experiences? Are you sharing the experiences? Or on your website, do you only talk about your product? Because if you only talk about your product on your website or on your social media, guess what? You're attracting one-fourth of the people under the age of 40. And I don't think anybody wants to segment their audience to where they're only tracking one-fourth, but it is a different mentality, right? And I think that's the other piece. And then there's also something you said, I think, you know, for those, especially in the UK, I think, I think that when it comes to innovation, when it comes to community, I think the UK is doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. I think there's also an element of where tradition has to meet innovation. There's like a happy yeah. medium of creativity, yeah, yeah. right? And it's, you know, I, I like to say, one of, my, one of my talks I give is I say, limitations inspire creativity. And so I like to say, when, you're, when, you, when someone told you at the TED Talk that you need to be limited to do all of these things, yeah. you, you had two options. You could be creative and still be yourself, or you could conform and just, you know, fit in the mold, be disappointed yeah. on your product. And I think for those in the UK, like, I would love to inspire more people. You know, when, when you see everyone doing it this way, like, mm-hmm. if everyone's zigging, be okay with zagging, right? Be, yeah. be, oh, and I, I'm a big believer, like, if, you know, if everyone's playing in one market, even if that market seems to be the right market, mm-hmm. I would rather play in a smaller market with few people than in the bigger market with yeah. everybody. And I think the UK can do that really well. And every time I'm there, I leave inspired. There's so many great stories, awesome. great business owners, great leaders, great speakers, great marketers. And then, I, and then I, I have to remember, I'm like, well, how do we get that story out there, right? How do we, how do we get people to share that? And that's, that's truly like my number one mission. When I work with anyone, it's like, you have a great story. Let me help you get it out there because I think we, we're going to learn pretty quickly that there's a lot of great things happening and great events that could be possibly happening in the UK. Mm. And it's just because people haven't tried yet, right? So like Newcastle Startup Week is an event that I went to uh, the last two years. And I, mm. it, was, you know, it was someone that saw me speak four years ago. And he was like, Brian, I want to start an event in Newcastle. They've never had like an event that inspires startups and entrepreneurs. And I told him right there, I was like, you don't have to pay me. I will come out and speak at your event. That's you fly amazing. me over. Let's make it happen. It happened. And it was an amazing event. And it was because Paul kept pushing through and he teamed up with Sarah. Yeah. And these are, it's, it's just one of those things where it takes some guts. It takes some things that are out there. But I think the rewards and benefits are yeah, astronomical. So it would be a complete injust to my audience and me if I didn't ask you how, how have you grown the speaking side of your business? Because as I've said, I love speaking and loads of people don't. And that is so cool. That's absolutely fine. But for me, that's when I come alive. You know, that's the thing. And why I do a podcast, because again, right. I love speaking. So how, how did you really make that shift? How do you get the gigs? How did you build that side of your business? So for me, um, a lot of it's, it's no different than I think all marketing, but I think from a speaking side, it seems a little bit different is it comes down to really relationships. Um, I would say a majority of my speaking leads come in from people that have been following me on social media for five years. Um, uh, more often than not, it's, it's that side. The other part of that is, you know, putting myself out there as a speaker, but also kind of doing, you know, every little thing around it, right? I think the interesting thing is what you do on stage as a speaker is the most fun part about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, putting out a speaker reel or working on a media kit or replying to RFPs. Um, and I've also noticed for me, the more times I speak, the more speaking gigs I get, right? Speaking yeah. gets speaking, right? So I can tell you, I still do a, a fairly large amount of um, gigs that only pay for my hotel and travel. Mm-hmm. And the way that I, I value that is I, I look at their audience, I look at their industry and I say, yeah. do people in that audience, audience already know me? Do they already, are they part of my, my tribe? If they are, I'm probably not going to speak there for free, right? This is my yeah. business. 
But if it's someone that doesn't know me, I, these are industries or space that I, I need to break into, I'm willing to do that, really willing to put myself out there. And then the other part of that, you know, is I, I build relationships with sponsors. I build relationships with other speakers. I, when, I, when an event organizer, you know, um, you know, hires me for a gig, part of my goal is to help them hire a great speaker the following year. Now, the reason that might be, that sounds kind of like, wait a second, wait, you're not wanting them to hire you? Well, no, they hire, most places don't hire the same speakers back yeah, to back years. Yeah. Some do and some don't. But um, for me, it's like, I want to be a trusted resource yeah. as well as a trusted advisor on stage. And, and funny enough, I'm now, um, two of my full-time clients are my previous events that have now hired me full-time to consult with their company and say, what speakers should we hire? What's our content? What type of topics should we have? And part of that's just because I really took heart, right? And, and, and this is something that, you know, I think as a speaker, I think in the speaking industry, I think it's another piece that you also have to be willing to, like, I wanted to break in. Like, I, I, I love being a speaker. And I knew that I couldn't compete because I don't have 10 books, right? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't have, and, but what I knew was what I was really good at. Like, I'm really good at documenting uh, on social media. I'm really good at live tweeting at an event. I'm really good at amplifying other people. I'm mm -hmm. really good at interviews. So all of a sudden, I started including that in my package. So when, I, when yeah. a company hires me, you know, most people, you get hired for the one hour that you're on stage as a speaker. Mm -hmm. For me, you hire me for the day. I don't have a one hour rate. I have a day rate. Yeah. And on that day, I will be a part of the event from the start of the event to the end of the event. I'm going to live tweet the event. You're, I'm going to post it on Instagram. I'm going to do a live video when I get there. Um, you're going to get all of this content and amplification. You're going to get me. because And part of that became when I, before I became a speaker, there was a couple of speakers that really inspired me because they were on stage great, but they were yeah. part of the event. And yeah. I remember Jay, Jay Bear was one of them that, um, this was early on 2013. Like I remember watching him, he sat in the front row for other speakers before and after he got off stage. And I remember thinking like, when I, when I make it, when I'm getting paid as a speaker, I'm going to give that same value to that event organizer, right? And like, when I work with an event, I will often tell them like, who's your favorite sponsor or who's a sponsor that needs a lot of love? And they'll yeah. tell me and I'll share them on social media. I'll reach out to them and say, hey, you want to do a free interview for your blog? Let me get, let me, let me get to the, the venue 30 minutes early. Let me sit there and talk to you. And it's that's amazing because for me, these are all things I love doing. These are all, yeah. So I think for anyone that's a speaker, it doesn't have to be just social media, but ask yourself, like, what can I do to make the event yeah. manager life more easier? What can I, like, I, it's amazing. Most of the time, I, I will even push out my event. Uh, like, if I'm traveling in for an event, I have a day off in between. Sometimes I will stay over and go to the event the next day. And people are like, Brian, you're like, you're living on the road. Like, why would you do that? And I was like, well, there's two speakers that are there that I want to support and, and cheerlead. Yeah. And they're like, wait, aren't they fellow speakers? I'm like, yeah. And guess what? These are speakers. When they see me celebrating, they want to get to know me better. Then all of a sudden I'm on their radar. And so when an event that they hires them, ask them the same questions that I get, guess who they're going to recommend? Yeah. And so I'm very strategic, very methodical on that. And I also, I play the long game. I can tell you um, there's an event next year that I really want to speak at. And in 2017, I knew that I wanted to speak there. So they've been on my radar for two years. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been sharing their content, their blogs. I've been writing about them. I've been amplifying them on Twitter, you know, retweeting stuff that they have strategically spending that long game, knowing that whenever they're, they're looking for a speaker that matches me, I believe I'm going to be on their radar. So I'm also okay with that, that arena. Um, I can tell you, I just recently signed with a speaker agent and she was laughing because she's like, your long game's a little too long. She's like, <laughs> like, she's like, you, you, you realize it's jab, jab. <laughs> yeah. She's like, it's jab, 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 right hook, not jab, 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 jab. Right I was like, like touche. It's probably true. But I think, you know, that's the other piece of it. And I also think 
to be a great speaker, you don't have to be a thought leader. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to be okay and good at telling your story and putting it in those words. And I think for a lot of people, you can get, you can come up with one talk or you can come up with one way of doing it. The question becomes, how do you become in a business? Like, right. I, for, for me, a lot of times businesses will come back to me six months later and say, Brian, we're increasing $50,000 month over month once we implemented your ideas. And for me, that's the ROI, right? Like that's yeah. the, that's the reward. And it's because you can talk about things that inspire action. Like that's, that's the difference between, I think, a, a brand spokesperson and an influencer. I hear this question yeah. all the time because I think influencer marketing is beyond powerful, but an influencer actually inspires action, right? Yeah. You know, someone that is just a spokesperson, they, like they're, they're giving you word of mouth that people know about it, but they're not truly give, inspiring action. Like when I talk about a, a product or when someone sponsors my, my show, they know that if I talk about that product, people are going to go buy the product, right? Yeah. It's not, and, it, and it's because of that trust. And so that's where, you know, speaking, it's, it's fun. And I can tell you, there is no one way to do it. You know, everyone told me I needed a book. I needed a speaker reel and I needed an email list. I can tell you, I have no book. I'm just now working on my speaking reel and I have a very small email list and yeah. I've done it the other way, right? I've used my, my connections, my relationships, but if you have an email list, if you're writing a book, if you had a TEDx talk, you know, I don't even have a TEDx talk. I, I, I applied to two TEDx talks this year and both of them I got turned down for. No. So, Are you- yeah. And, and interestingly enough, you know, I think there's, um, that is crazy. there's a lot of professional speakers that have given really bad TEDx talks. So there's a lot like, you know, because, you know, in this space, you know, I, I, and I, I love the industry as, as a whole, but there's also a lot of people that, that, that don't get the TEDx talk, right? And, mm-hmm. and the authenticity of it. And so, um, but so for me, I think that's the other re- most rewarding thing about speaking. Um, like I'm, doing, I'm doing a video series right now and it's all about speaking. Um, it's press the damn button, but it's 100%. I'm gonna do, right now I have uh, 18 videos that I've, I've storyboarded out that is all about, spe- and it's not like how to be a great speaker on stage, but it's all about the, the other things that I just kind of talked about here. Yeah. And part of the reason I love it is that we can all find our own way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just sharing my way of doing it. I, I'm so blessed that I'm so, uh, you know, in love with this industry. I think, um, I think, you know, especially in the UK, I think the UK has so many talented storytellers and people that can do it. It's just a matter of, you know, finding the right events. And, you know, the mm-hmm. other piece of this is, you know, Chris Ducker and I have had this discussion, um, you know, for him, the industry and the places where he was at, there was no events. So what yeah. did he do? He created an he event, yeah. right? Like, and, and that's an element as well. And so um, it's fun. I, it's, there's no one way of doing it, but um, that's kind of the way that I've done it. I also believe that, um, you know, there, there's, something, there's, there's something to be said about being, on, being really humbled every time you get on and off stage. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, and I think that's, that's part of the magic is that um, I love it. Like I truly yeah. love it. I, and I think, you know, I, I, you and I, I think, both can feel that, right? Like there is, yeah. there is, and, and public speaking, it's the number one fear. I mean, people yeah. fear public speaking more than they do, you know, flying in airplanes, jumping. Like, it is the number one fear. But for those of us that love it, there is something oh. that there's no other place. It's, it's my most Zen place. I, yeah. my, my, I'm, I'm recently divorced. I have three young daughters. I'm running my own business by myself. My world is chaos. Yeah. But when I'm on stage, it's, it's one hour of Zen and, and nothing else I'd rather do in the world. I know. And the whole kind of like, I get nervous and I think it's important that I still get nervous because sure. I care. And I, when I get up there, when I'm done, I'm like, can I do that again, please? Please can I go yep. back up there? And it's genuinely like, I just love the audience vibe. I love feeling how they're being. And also, and this is bit for me is like one of the best bits that when you get off stage, 
and you do mill around and you stay there and people want to talk to you and they say the nicest things and then you get back to your phone and your phone has gone and yours (laughs) must go mental all the time and suddenly there's all these messages or all these tweets and things and it's like oh my god just to feel that you've said something that has made a difference or that they've gone hey, that's interesting. I didn't know that existed. And maybe they want to go and find more about it or whatever. Or even if they've just sat there and been vaguely entertained for, you know, an hour, that's good enough anyway. But uh, honestly, I am, I love what you do and you are so good on stage. You are so natural. And, and I think that for me is opening up the world for for people to go, do you know what? I can go on stage with a cap if that's what I wear, you know? And often I look at people, I look, uh, you, you know, Andrew and Pete? Of course, I love yeah, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. So I am friends with Andrew Pete, and we often talk about the fact of, you know, well, you guys are crazy and quirky, and and I'm a bit dull. And they're like, oh my God, Teresa, like, no. A, you know, we have a laugh. We have such a laugh with those guys. But it, they're like, you're you. And and if I tried to do what they did, I'd look like an idiot because right. that is not me. Whereas yep. I can have a laugh and I can be energetic and, and passionate about what I do. But it's it's that's because that's naturally what I like and, and what I do. So, and that, and that is the matter. I think for everyone that's out there. And I also, I think, you know, if being on a stage scares people, uh, and this is, this is my soapbox. Like I believe everybody has a story to tell every mm-hmm. single person, every business, every entrepreneur, um, everyone has a story to tell, but we all have find our way, which is best for us to tell it individually. Yeah. Right. And so if stage scares you, but you love talking, launch a podcast. If you love being on video and you you kind of have fun with it, but you don't like producing a video and you don't like editing, you know, go live on video, use live video. If you are really good at editing and you like the creativity, go on YouTube, do YouTube. If you're great at sharing ideas and thoughts, but the idea of talking about it or video scares you, start a blog. Like I, I I really, I really want to inspire. I mean, if I had to look at anything that I want to do, like my global, my global mission is to inspire everybody to tell their story in their own way. Um, I think being on the stage for us is, is that vehicle, but yeah. it's also, you know, why I say be yourself, not just be something that is unique because I, I kind of argue oftentimes where I'm like being something that unique ma- makes you require you to be outside of yourself. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want any, like, if you don't like wearing a hat, don't wear a hat on stage. Yeah. Right. Like, and I'll, I'll hear people say like, Oh, Steve Jobs wore the same shirt. You're, you're wearing the hat because you wanted, and I'm like, no, the talk trigger, which is the hat, um, it, it's because it's who I am, right? Like yeah. your signature of what you are. And Andrew and Peter are a perfect example. And I'm yeah. a huge fan of them. I believe yeah. they are, like their book, Content Mavericks, is, is perfectly fits up who they are. Yeah. Uh, I've been blessed to be on their podcast. I've shared the stage with them multiple times. Um, I think of them as two of the nicest, most uh, genuine yeah. human beings that there are. But I also think they've, they get it, right? Like yeah. the content marketing that they're putting out, the brands that they're helping, the businesses that they help, they just help those businesses be real and be themselves. Yeah. And uh, they embody it. I think that's the, I think that's a lesson learned. I can tell, I mean, the reason that date, November 2nd, 2013, I mean, I will remember that forever because it was the day I just told myself, you know what? You're just going to own all of yeah. your flaws as well as own all of the things that make you unique. And, you know, when you said earlier, like, you know, like, you know, it's been five years and like how, how my success, I can tell you Jeez. that five years success is because of that day. And, and if I had, if I had done it any other way, I wouldn't be near the amount of stages. I wouldn't be near um, the things that I'm able to do at this moment. And I'm very blessed for that. And I I hope, you know, like that's the takeaway for those that are listening to this is that we all have a story to tell. We are all unique in our own ways and you just have to own it. And it's scary. It is scary. Like, trust me, like when I first started mentioning about ADHD, um, you know, I was diagnosed ADHD at 31. 
um, I had moms, I had two moms at one event come up crying and they're like, my daughter is so ashamed of being a millennial. And she, they're also ashamed because they have ADHD. And they're like, I was taking video of your talk and sending it to her. And like the one daughter was like blown away. And like, I've actually had multiple Skype calls with her since. Mm-hmm. And for me, like all of a sudden I took on that as ownership. And then I started trying to be like an ADHD expert. And then I realized like, I'm not an expert. <laughs> I'm just someone that has it and I convey it. Right. Yeah. And like, so like there is some scary elements of being yourself and putting yourself out there, but damn, the reward of doing it is, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very, that's, that, that's where we're at today, right? It's, it's yeah. the reward. And I, and I really think that's what's going to make the world great. I, I, I say this on stage and I'll say this now. Like, I think we're living in the greatest time in history. It doesn't matter where you live. doesn't matter your resume. doesn't matter your background. Mm-hmm. We have the ability to impact the world and tell our story. And no generation before us has had that ability. And we have it right now. We just have to own it. That is the most perfect finish, Brian, and sits so nicely with my thought and how things are. And I could have, honestly, and I say this on most podcasts, but I could talk to you all day because it's so fascinating. And I love talking to you. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've been an amazing guest. My pleasure. Truly my pleasure. That's what it's all about, right? Connecting uh, and bringing things to light. So uh, it was my pleasure being on. Thank you. Wasn't that awesome? And it's so nice to find someone who talks as fast as I do. I really enjoyed having a chat with Brian. It was a great interview to do. I love listening to his modern day take on marketing and how he's completely unapologetic about who he is, what he's creating, and he's really trying to carve his own path and his own way and do it how he wants to do it, which at the end of the day is exactly what we should be doing. We can't be someone else because we're not someone else. We're only ourselves. I love the way we talked about how marketing today is different from years ago, how it's a level playing field and what a brilliant position we are all in as business owners and marketers now. He also gave some great tips on adding value if you want to be a speaker. So I really do hope you enjoyed today's interview because I thought it was awesome. If you want to know more about Brian, then obviously you can Google Brian Fanzo or just head over to the show notes at www.theresaheathwearing.com forward slash 37 and you will find links to all of his social media and his website and his podcast there. As I said at the beginning of this episode, I am flying off to California tomorrow and I'm going to be doing a conference in Laguna Beach. I'm part of James Wedmore's Business by Design. And this is his conference that goes along with that course. I am so excited about it. I think it's going to be amazing because James is one of those people that just gives such good value. And this is going to be three full days of really getting to work on my business. And I can't wait. I'm so excited. Then when I get back, I'm going to make sure I record a podcast episode that tells you all about it and how wonderful it was. Have an amazing week and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast with Teresa Heath-Waring from TeresaHeathWaring.com. 